1: so, no. um, we uh, you know then throughout the process, Spy Tech would pop into my office, or Mike Beal, my college director, or Mike Greenberg, our cap guy, or Rob McCartney, my pro director, um, and just like every once in a while would say, "Hey, go the distance," <laughs> or, <laughs> or <laughs> and drop little lines from Field of Dreams. So it was it was a it was a fun time. It was you know they were just trying to keep my. Uh, you know, keep my sanity, but also realize, Hey, this, this could happen.
0: Jason light Buccaneers GM earlier this week with Peter King on his podcast made a little news in kind of a accidental throwaway discussion about Tom Brady preparing to wear number seven with the Buccaneers because he didn't want Chris Godwin to have to give up number 12. Godwin ultimately gave up number 12 because who in their right mind wouldn't give up number 12 to Tom Brady? But uh, that, that was a neat little story. Number seven for seven Super Bowl wins. I, I, you know, It's hard enough still to process seeing Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform even after 19 games. It would be incredibly harder to see him in a Buccaneers uniform with number seven instead of number 12.
1: Well, I mean, it'd be hard for him. I, I think they could never have given away Martin Grammatica's number, Mike. Come on. Let's be <laughs> real. That number ought to be hanging from the rafters. Now, I, you know what, Mike? You, you always know when a guy starts a sentence or starts a story with, you know, I've never told anybody this before, but, and you say, this has the potential to be good. And with the Tom Brady or story, it sure or bad or very
0: bad, you know, it can be very good yeah. or very bad. You know, I've never told anyone this before, but um, <laughs> Martin Gramatica, he was the guy who dressed for the Arctic anytime it was below 50 degrees. He'd wear that wrap around his face. It's like, dude, it's 48 degrees. What? Anyway. Yeah, you can't you can't unretire. The unretired Martine Gramatica number for Tom Brady, that's for sure. All right, Tom Brady will be wearing number 12 and white, choosing to wear white because he's 4-1 and one in the white jerseys during his time uh, in uh, the NFL playing in Super Bowls against the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's get into some of the news that's popped up this week, and let's start with um, – Bruce Arians and Tom Brady both talking this week about what ended up being the most impactful move of the 2020 offseason: getting Tom Brady from New England to Tampa Bay. Here they are. You you can't hit a home run if you're gonna swing for one. You can't. You can't do anything special in life, sitting on a fence. And uh, you know the question back then was if there was a quarterback that that was a free agent, who would you want? And uh, yeah, of course it was Tom Brady, but um, not thinking he'd become a free agent. But once he did, it was uh, it was it was a pursuit that we wanted to make and uh, knew he had some interest. So, but again, if that's how you live life. I don't you,
1: you sit and live in a closet and try to be safe, or you go have some damn fun.
0: I'd like to think that I wasn't that much of a chance uh, after a lot of years. Yeah, uh, it, it, but but still, 43, it is a little bit of a chance. It is a little bit of a risk, but Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit. He risked it, and they got the biscuit to the Super Bowl. Now, you know, and that mentality, Peter, I think will serve them well in the Super Bowl because I think anytime you're an underdog in a postseason game, you have to be willing to do that thing that disrupts the predetermined thought as to who the better team is. you got to be willing to throw the ball the end zone at the end of the first half. you got to be willing to do the onside kick back when onside kicks were actually recoverable at the start of the second half of Super Bowl 44. Those are the things you need to be willing to do. And I don't know that Bruce Arian's mentality actually is going to get him to a Super Bowl very often. This is his first one. But I think the mentality is perfect for a Super Bowl when you're the coach of the team that's favored to lose.
1: Mike, you know, one of the things I really like about the Bucks' personnel acquisition, and look it's all been about Brady, but let me make two other interesting points about where the Bucs are right now. One is that assuming that everyone's healthy in the secondary, and you can't assume that because of Antoine Winfield Jr., obviously, but if everyone is healthy in the secondary, their top six defensive backs that they will play on the field together in this Super Bowl at times, okay? The top six defensive backs, all 24 or younger. Every one of them has come in the last three drafts. Tremendous credit to Jason Light and his staff. And let's talk about the guy who Tom Brady has looked for in huge moments in the last two playoff games. Tyler Johnson. Not Mike Evans, not Cameron Brate, not Gronk. I mean, you know, Tyler Johnson, you know who he is? He's a fifth-round draft choice from Minnesota, who last year at the bowl game, whichever it's called—the Poulon Weed Eater Cigar Bowl or whatever it is—that they <laughs> held, that they hold in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium, Minnesota played, and Bruce Arians went to the game, sat in one box with his family. Uh, Jason Light went to the game, sat in another box with his family, and this guy Tyler Johnson's making plays all over the place. And Arian said, to, at one point, after he made a great catch, he knocks on the window and he says to uh, uh, Light, he goes, we got to get that guy. And come draft day this year, they were pushing, pushing, pushing. Because there was such an incredible crop of running backs, or, or of wide receivers this year, Mike, he slipped all the way to the fifth round. They take him. Who is Tom Brady throwing the ball to when it's most important On that play inside the two-minute warning against Green Bay, where Tyler Johnson gets his jersey pulled and gets the interference, imagine being trusted by Tom Brady in the most important play of your season, and you were a fifth-round pick in the draft. That is what I applaud the Bucs for. You know, it's a no-risk-it-no-biscuit thing. If you love a guy in the draft, take him, and then you know what? Play him.
0: Yeah, and he made a key third-down catch against the Saints on a third-and-eleven play, the twisting, Huge. lunging, diving catch. How he caught he, that he ball, made a, I'll never know. Unbelievable, and made a, a, a key third-down catch earlier in the game against the Packers before that interference penalty. Let me just say this. I, I have been known to enjoy a fine cigar. I like a Monte Cristo, a Partagas, Cohiba. I would never smoke the Pullin Weed Eater cigar. I don't want a Pullin <laughs> Weed Eater cigar. They can sponsor all the bowl games they want. Forget it; it ain't working. I ain't buying a pullin' Eater cigar. Um, but but you know that that and and we talk about executive of the year and PFT for what it matters and it doesn't at all. We made Brandon Bean the Bills' GM our executive of the year. But I'll tell you what; you can make the argument that Jason Light deserves that consideration. Not that he had to go out and scout and craft and recruit Tom Brady. I think Tom, even though. You get the idea, or at least they try to make the case that he had to sell them. Come on. it's He's Tom Brady. Yeah. But to have, to have the pieces there that makes the team attractive to Tom Brady is on light. If you don't have the pieces that they've accumulated right. over the past six or seven years, Tom Brady's going somewhere else. He's not
1: going to Tampa Bay. Yeah, totally agree, Mike. And I think the other thing about the whole Brady situation is, in Tampa, he had done his research, he knew. As Jason Light told me on the on this podcast this week, Tom Brady said to him in the middle of their conversation, uh, listen, Jason, there are, and I, I don't know the number, but there's 24,952 hours between now and our opening game of the season. We have to make those count. Every minute counts, and so You know when when Brady is talking like that to you, Brady wants to come and that to me says so much about the team that Jason Light and to some degree Bruce Arians built with a really good personnel staff.
0: And it was obvious from the get-go that they were going to pursue him. Bruce Arians was talking openly about it at the scouting combine tampering rules be damned and there was never any consequence for it so what the hell tamper away if they're not going to do anything to you and it worked out extremely well and the buccaneers desperately want brady to be back next year and i tell you what peter i i'm not ready to to assume that brady stops in 2022 the year he turns 45 the way he looks right now there's no slippage and maybe maybe he's just going to fall off a cliff at some point But if he's still playing like he is now in 2022, I think that 2023 and 2024 become in play. And hell, he may make a run at playing until he's 50.
1: You know, Mike, here's a guy who, you know, we probably have talked about this once or twice over the years. But, you know, one of my vivid memories is once uh, after the Super Bowl against Atlanta of going to interview him, it was quite a, quite a day. I went up to Montana and talked to him uh, where he was starting his off-season vacation. Seven days earlier, he had just beaten Atlanta and made that huge comeback. And in the course of the conversation, I said to him, don't you ever feel like just going out and having like nine beers with your buddies? And he said, you know, I've done that before. And I can do it again one day too. But right now, this is a lot more fun than that. And you know, I, I don't wanna do anything to prevent me from being able to do this. And so I think that has been his ethos over the years. And for anybody who has kind of made fun of him for his diet and the electrolytes and, and all this, I just say, hey, you know what? To each his own. He's not hurting anybody, <laughs> you know? even <laughs> Let the guy do what he wants. If this is what he believes, it's great. Because Tom Brady, you know, he said to me when he was 26 years old, he woke up every day and, you know, he had to almost unfold himself to get him out of bed. He was always in pain. And he said, man, I love football and I'm going to keep playing, but I don't know how, how long I can deal with this kind of pain. And then he has gotten into the whole pliability thing and all that. But I think he is a guy... Who has figured out what you know the number one thing is to him in life? Whatever it is, he's figured out what the most important thing is, and he does it. So, you know, to me, all the power to him. And I think the longer
0: he goes, the harder it will be to stop. So you keep going as long as you can. And you say he's not hurting anyone, he's not, but he could get himself hurt. That's the key. And that's why we see in these moments when Darnell Savage, for example, breaks free on a safety blitz and Tom Brady doesn't want to take that clean hit that could injure his 43 year old body. So he fires the ball up for grabs and Jair Alexander catches it. That's part of what you have to accept if Tom Brady is going to be your quarterback. Now we've seen it the past few years that bailout, throw the ball. I'm not going to take that square hit from Frank Clark, for example, or some other defensive lineman. I'm not going to do right. it. I'll just throw the ball, and if someone
1: intercepts it, hey, so be it. It's kind of like a short punt. But also, Mike, you remember Peyton Manning late in his career? <clears throat> he, he would do what I would call the fetal sack. You know, when he felt the pressure coming in on him, he just low, he'd just go down and just take a nap. And I think Brady, Brady does that too. He doesn't do it probably as often as Manning used to do it, but he does it too. And he knows that if he's going to make that throw, the one that Jair Alexander, the the semi-Hail Mary uh, downfield, if he's going to make that throw, he's got to make it so that his guy gets it or nobody gets it or it's out of bounds. You know, and obviously he short-armed that one. But but I agree with you. Those are the things that you're gonna to have to live with a few of them. And honestly, if he delivers like he did, throwing the ball 48 yards in the air uh, with seconds left in the first half, and Scotty Miller uh, gets by Kevin King, I, I think those. I think that's a pretty nice trade-off.
0: And we go from one quarterback who has very limited mobility, especially at his age, to a 25-year-old who is the slipperiest. Not the fastest, not the most agile, not the most explosive, but he's the guy you can't get your hands on. The 49ers tried to do it last year in the Super Bowl. Many thought they would succeed. They didn't. Robert Sala, who was the defensive coordinator of the 49ers last year, now the head coach of the Jets, was with Sims and me earlier this week, and we asked him what advice would you have for those Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive linemen. Here's Sala from earlier in the week.
1: Anytime you're a pass rusher, just understand that he he might do his little old man jog in between plays where he looks like his feet hurt, but don't, <laughs> don't kid yourself. I mean, the, the, he's got tremendous
0: mobility. And his arm strength is ridiculous. You have
1: to be relentless all the way through
0: that line made me laugh. It made someone else laugh too. It made Patrick Mahomes laugh. He he retweeted. Dude, our I saw story that on Twitter. He with responded. <laughs> with with the, the multiple there it is. When you get six of the laughing, crying emojis, you have made someone laugh till they cry. And uh you know it's it's the truth though. It's kind of like somebody pointed out it's kind of a baseball thing, like how someone shuffles around in the infield, you know, between batters or something like that. Like it just you you, there's never really an occasion on the baseball field to run when you're an infielder, except when you've hit the ball, but it's just kind of that. Yeah. That, I don't know if it's a little rope-a-dope quality, but he does move like that between plays, but when it's time to elude and evade defenders, he does it as well as anyone in the
1: NFL, Peter. Mike, you know what I really like about Mahomes at this stage of his career? Uh, number one, uh, he realizes that he can, uh, he can do things like on social media and in the outside world and in interviews, and he can show that side of himself, you know, when's the first time you realized about Tom Brady and he gives his birth date, you know, the day he was born. And, and you know, so Mahomes has fun with this stuff. He had fun with Rich Eisen on his TV show about his nickname and, and, and all that stuff. And, and not only that, but I think he knows right now that, you know, so many quarterbacks over time have been so incredibly careful in press conferences, you know, and he's not afraid to drop a line in a press conference that might work or it might fall flat, but whatever, you know, it's not, we're not talking about nuclear physics here. We're just talking about a game. And and the other part of him right now that I really like, he's playing in all of these big games, all of them. He's only 25 years old. And you know, whereas Josh Allen, you get the impression that Josh Allen sort of, I don't want to say spit the bit, but that was a huge moment for Josh Allen from Wyoming via Buffalo, you know, to be on that mega stage this early in his career. And Josh Allen will be back, and he'll be really, really good. But when you get on that stage, it's hard. But now Mahomes has been on that stage so often and played so well that to him, it's just another game. And to Brady, I'm not saying just another game. That makes it sound flip. But he's going to perform like he would in an October game against the Jets. Both of these guys are. That is what a quarterback needs to do in big games. Perform like it's any other game.
0: And look, Peter, I'm convinced that one of the reasons why the Chiefs struggle, or at least are perceived as struggling in the regular season, the adrenaline rush isn't the same. The stakes aren't the same. They have grown addicted to that feeling of playoff football, and that's where we see them rise to a higher level. And it becomes easy to take Patrick Mahomes and other Chiefs players for granted during the season. They still played incredibly well. They won 14 out of 15 games that they were trying to win, but they don't have it as easily. You know, they just smothered the Bills. I mean, we expected, I expected it would be an exciting game, and maybe Josh Allen right. is going to show he's on Patrick Mahomes' level. And the moment that the Chiefs took the lead in that game, I, Sims and I talked about this earlier in the week. Like, it's, it's done. It's over. It's just a detail as to what the final score is at this point.
1: Mike, you know what? I was thinking about this watching that game. Well, you know how at least I was. I was kind of making a big deal of this team was not playing well on offense at the end of the year at all. That game against Atlanta was a nightmare. Then they sat, and they sat for 20 days. And I'm wagging my finger at Andy Reid like, hey, Andy, I know more football than you do. You shouldn't (laughs) be (laughs) resting these guys. And then all of a sudden, they come out, and they look like the 27 Yankees. So I I just, I I really feel like, you know, to me, it's it's something that Andy Reid really knows his team. He knows his quarterback, and he did the right thing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And one of those regular season games was a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, week 12, the last time the Buccaneers lost. They had their bye week 13. They finished the regular season 4 and 0. They've won three road games in the postseason. So from 7 and 5 to 7 and 0, how much does the game where the Chiefs raced out to a 17 to nothing lead over the Buccaneers? How much does that matter when they get together again? in the Super Bowl.
1: I think it really helps to have a veteran, uh, you know, flatline coach, excuse me, like Todd Bowles to basically, you know, you've got the psyche, Mike, you know, you've just had Tyreek Hill catch balls for 269 yards. He has just totally run roughshod over your defense. And so, you know, and you've got a defense, a secondary, you know, all six guys who play a lot are 24 and younger. So Todd Bowles came in the next day and he just, you know, very, very, uh, you know, flatline said to him, listen, he said, that game is one out of 16. We're going to watch the tape. We're going to go over it. And then at the end, we're going to move on to the next one. He said... Just don't make a big deal of it because it's not a big deal. We had two horrible plays in coverage. We got to get them fixed. We will get them fixed. I'm not concerned. Don't be concerned. And so when your coach is basically not uh, coming in, ranting, raving, uh, you know, throwing stuff against the wall and he just comes in, he says, hey, it's not good enough, but we are better than that. I know we are and we'll fix it. That is how Todd Bowles treated that game. I don't know how they'll react, Mike, because it's easy. It's the classic old Mike Tyson. Hey, you can talk a good game until you get punched in the mouth. And, and, and that is the way we're going to be looking at the Bucks secondary on Super Sunday. Have they learned their lessons and have they adjusted from when they first played this team? That is going to tell the tale of this game. And the final score of that game was 27-24. The
0: Buccaneers did wake up. They were notorious for much of the regular season for spotting teams' big leads, sometimes coming back, sometimes not coming back. But, you know, one thing we've seen from Tampa Bay the past two weeks of the postseason, they they beat a Saints team that had swept Tampa Bay, including a 38-3 shellacking in primetime in Week 9 on Sunday Night Football. And then... When they faced the Packers, a team they had blown out 38-10, to 10. that was a much different game, although at one point it was 28-10. to 10. But the, these games are snowflakes. They're all different. And when you start it over again and you change the circumstances and you make it single elimination, and in this case, you make it for a Super Bowl trophy, that, that changes everything. And you're going to have a lot of risk it and biscuit, at least attempting, by Bruce Arians and company, I really do think as we get closer and closer to the game, and we reflect on the things the Buccaneers have done, they're going to have not not tricks up their sleeve per se. They're just going to have that attitude of we're going to go for it, fourth down, we're going to go for it, field goal, the hell with it, touchdown. You know, they're going to have that mentality because they've gotten to this point with that that edge and that willingness to take risks as as uh, Bruce Arian said the clip we played at the top of the segment you got to be willing to swing for
1: the fences if you're going to hit a home run Mike you know what it what occurs to me as you watch Tampa as the season goes on i think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago you know when i was talking about in that super bowl against atlanta you know at the end of the game it's chris hogan and malcolm mitchell who tom brady is going to and i'm thinking to myself how in the world are you on the same page with these guys in their first year and all that? And Brady says 122 practices, and to not uh, you know because I I we've we've talked about this before, but in my opinion, Tom Brady, if he's got talent, okay, that's why you see that beautiful rainbow arcing throw to Scotty Miller right in his hands in the end zone over Kevin King. That's why you see the beautiful high arcing throw to Mike Evans uh, early in the game for the touchdown in the end zone. Um, You know, that's right over the Packer corner's uh, outstretched arms. It's because Tom Brady has to practice. He has to get in his reps. He simply must. And when he does, you get to the end of the season, you see things like what he did in the Kansas City championship game Uh, two, three years ago, when he kept finding Gronk down the seam in beautiful throws. Why? He's practiced with Gronk a thousand times. They've done that a thousand times. So I think this is really the time, late in the year, why I think Brady's going to be dangerous in this game. And hey, Mahomes is always dangerous. Yeah, I mean, we are at the point where Tom Brady is
0: essentially into his second season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you know we talk about rookies by the time a rookie gets to the playoffs they're not rookies anymore we talked about Tyler Johnson how Brady trusts him how Brady trusts Scotty Miller you think about these weapons I mean what a difference you know fortunately this week hasn't been as consumed with the whole Patriots comparison talk because Brady has punched through to the Super Bowl but I don't know that the Patriots make the playoffs even if Brady stays because you look at this murderer's row of pass catchers that he has available to him. He's never had anything like that at any point in his career. And now he's got that, whether it's 122 practices or whatever the number is because of the pandemic, he's got that full experience with all of them. They know him. He knows them. They know the offense inside and out. He's got a couple of great running backs in Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. And, uh, Uh, yeah, I, uh, Tom Brady couldn't have landed in a better spot to get him where he is short of maybe going to the chiefs. If for some reason they wouldn't have had
1: access to Patrick Mahomes this year, you know, Mike, one other thing, you know, I kept thinking and I I kind of felt bad uh, for Cam Newton this year because look, he, he looked like he was physically diminished, but you didn't really know because of the, the people he had around him. And I bet Cam Newton the entire year said all the right things and said, I got to be better. And, you know, good for him. That's what a competitor should say. (coughs) But anyway, excuse me. Cam Newton, when I am watching him play, I'm thinking he's got to go home and drive away from the stadium tonight thinking, man, I know exactly what Tom Brady felt like last year at the end of the year. He simply didn't have NFL caliber playoff weapons. Period. End of story. All this stuff about, is it Brady? Is it Belichick? I, I, you know, I just don't know who you put at quarterback, you know, from like December of last year till January 1 of this year with the Patriots, who's really going to play well. The reason that they're under 500, you know, over their last whatever 18, 20 games is because they have not stocked the pantry with contributing good skill players on that team.
0: Well, and they've got plenty of work to do to get back to where they've been uh, because they, they need the quarterback, they need, they need the skill players, they need a lot of things in New England, and they get to watch what happens when Tom Brady lands in a spot where they have everything that Brady needed, including a surprisingly potent defense, which has been the difference. You know, when Brady had his meltdown on Sunday with the three interceptions, the defense stiffened and forced a pair of three and outs when the door was wide open for the Packers to take over that game and possibly win it going away. I mean, think about that, Peter. Three, three straight drives with interceptions from Tom Brady. If the Packers had won that game, can you imagine what the storylines coming out of that would have been? It's almost right. like it never happened because the Buccaneers won the game. The defense is the key. Devin White is one of the keys. You know, Antoine Winfield Jr., if he can play, JPP, Shaq Barrett, and Dominican Sue, Levante David, let's not forget him, Sean Murphy Bunting, who's had an interception every game. I don't think Brady expected to land on a team with a defense
1: that is almost as good as the defenses he enjoyed when he was with New England. Here's the amazing thing about this game against the Packers, in my opinion, Mike. So, you know, we can look at the last three offensive plays for Green Bay that go incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. But on 3rd and eight, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers very badly wants to get the ball to Devontae Adams. And to me, he made a foolish throw because really he didn't have anybody open in that secondary. That's how well Tampa was playing. But, but the point I'm going to make is, And the reason why Jason Light really needs to get a lot of credit for this team and his personnel staff, it's not just him, but why they deserve a lot of credit. Look at the replay on the last play of the game for for Green Bay, the last offensive play. Rodgers goes out of the pocket, out of the pocket. He's looking, 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 and finally, almost out of desperation, he throws almost a ground ball to, uh, to Devontae Adams at the goal line. He was bracketed by two backup safeties, Edwards and Adams, who in the regular season, you know, had basically played a total of less than 200 snaps. And so to me, that says that one to 53, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have built the kind of team that should be able to be good for quite a while. Brady not Brady or not, but it's also the team that Brady's going to want to stay with for a while, I would think. I agree with you completely. We're going to continue
0: the Super Bowl 55 preview discussion with a speed round when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few,
1: the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Time now for today's speed round brought to you by Verizon 5G built right. Let's get to it, Peter King. Super Bowl 55. Who can help their legacy the most with
1: a big performance In Super Bowl 55. In my opinion, Bruce Arians. Uh, I think Arians has, ever since he was unceremoniously retired by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2011. Um, He's won Coach of the Year twice, and he's got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He helped recruit Tom Brady, whatever that came down to. And now he's in the Super Bowl. To me, um, he's not just... Uh, a great offensive coach if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win this game. He helps his legacy significantly uh, if if he wins this game, if the Bucs win this game. I think that's a great point, and
0: that makes me even more convinced that he's going to pull out all the stops. And I'm not talking about ridiculous trick plays. I'm just talking about a willingness to be Hyper aggressive, maybe no punts all game, maybe onside kicks every time they go to kickoff. Not that they would do that because you can't really recover onside kicks anymore all that often, but just a level of aggressiveness more than what we're used to seeing from a guy who's already got that no risk at no biscuit mentality. I obviously think that Patrick Mahomes can help his legacy the most. To get two Super Bowl wins in three years as a starter and to keep Tom Brady from getting to seven, that's the key. It's either going to be six and two or seven and one, so he's going to have six to catch Brady or four to catch Brady. Not that he's ever guaranteed to catch Brady, but it's a hell of a lot easier, Peter, if you come out of this game
1: only behind by four. But Mike, here's, here's the one thing I would add to this. How amazing would it be in terms of NFL history, okay? If Patrick Mahomes wins, wins his second Super Bowl by the age of 25, and if you combine the number of years that Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees has played, I think it's 900, Okay, but if you combine the number of years, they've only won two, and so to to have won two by the time you're 25 years old, when Rodgers and Breeze together have won two, is really would really be an amazing feat.
0: All right, let's put the pedal to the metal and get through the rest of these. Who will be the baddest defensive dude
1: on the field in Super Bowl 55? I'll take Frank Clark. When the Chiefs decided to basically invest. million a year in, you know, they're two big guys in the middle of the field, or, you know, on the defensive line, Frank Clark, Chris Jones. To me, I think what that said is that these are our long-term pests on the defensive line. And in this particular game, I think Frank Clark, he comes off a two sack game against Buffalo. And I think he is really hitting his stride playing great down the stretch I'll take Frank Clark
0: I'll take Devin White I've been so impressed with his play in the postseason he's he's in your face without crossing the line he's he's chippy but not too chippy he sets the tone for that defense and and he's the guy who gives them that lift when they need it and he's all over the place so I got Devin White underrated storyline Peter that deserves
1: more attention Steve Spagnuolo uh, trying to design something and you remember Mike, he once designed an incredible defensive game plan to totally absolutely frustrate Tom Brady in a shocking New York Giants victory. And so I just keep thinking to myself if I'm Brady, I'm going to bed at night and I'm thinking back at the most nightmarish day I've ever had on a big stage and I'm saying hmm What does Steve Spagnuolo have in store for me this time? And that was mine. So let me pivot quickly
0: to another one. (laughs) There's this theory that's making the rounds, and it's not from anyone who's in the business, but fans are saying, "Hmm, maybe Andy Reid will retire after winning two in a row, and Eric Bieniemy just takes over the Chiefs." Andy Reid's not going anywhere, folks. Andy Reid, first of all, it gives him a chance to be the only guy to ever win three in a row. And second of all, the house is built. All you got to do is sit on the couch, right, Peter? I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes. I'd never retire. I'm staying in this job as long as Patrick Mahomes is here because I may end up with six or seven
1: rings of my own. I could rival Bill Belichick by the time it's all said and done. I think that's a great point. But Mike, the one thing I, 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 would, I would say about that is that each game stands on its own. It's why I, when I was talking to Brady Sunday night, he, just, he, 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 he really finds it hard to put into words about the singular importance of, or significance of making 10 Super Bowls. He, he's just kind of in the moment. And that's why I think you've got to take each one of these on their own.
0: This is the speed round brought to you by Verizon 5G built right. We're going into hyper speed round to get through these last two. More important that he return for the Super Bowl, Sammy Watkins for the Chiefs or Antonio Brown for the Buccaneers?
1: I would have said Antonio Brown until two games ago when Tyler Johnson now has become a huge factor for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I will take Watkins because you never know if a guy like McCole Hardman you know, might make a couple of mistakes and then make Sammy Watkins all the more important as the chief alternative to Tyreek Hill in the speed game. And remember, Sammy Watkins had that huge play last year when
0: he ran by Richard Sherman, inspired by Devontae Adams running by Richard Sherman in the NFC
1: Championship. Does Gronk have one big moment in him? I think he's got five big moments in him. I think you're going to see Rob Gronkowski emerge uh and play like this game is gonna be his last. It's not gonna be his last, but I think he's gonna play like a classic Rob Gronkowski. Leave it all out there. They had that beautiful play design where Scotty
0: Miller came in motion from left to right spun around went back everyone thought it was going that way it was a quick little screen to Gronk and he rumbled for 29 yards or thereabouts I want to see one of those big Gronk catches down the seam he's you know he's a little slower than he used to be so Tom's got to take some of the mustard off of it but uh, here's hoping to see Gronk he had the he had the play in Super Bowl 53 that really was the backbreaker for the Rams we'll see if he can do it again all right that was the Verizon speed round we're going to take a break when we return we will get into our draft for this Friday edition of PFT Live, off-season quarterback movement that we'd love to see. We'll be right back.
1: Pro Football Talk is brought to you by Verizon, 5G built right.
0: It's kind of like, you know, a running joke, running joke with uh, with me and Aaron. You know, because I'd always get up in his grill and practice and ah,
1: you know, just kind of screaming <laughs> in his
0: face, letting him
1: know if it wasn't practice, he'd be on the
0: dirt. So it's kind of like you know, a little running joke we'd have where he would extend it past the practice field. So anytime he'd see me coming down a hallway, you know, maybe he'd be hiding around the corner, even if I was in the stall in the bathroom. Second, I opened the door, there's there, No! <laughs> my face like I would do to him. That's Mocho Raleigh with Peter King on the Peter King podcast. <laughs> By the way, the Royal Rumble this weekend is happening for the WWE, and WWE is coming to Peacock exclusively for streaming purposes in March. All right, it's time to draft the quarterback movement we'd like to see this offseason, Peter. And we've got a trivia question, and this is gonna be a joint project because I don't expect you to get all five. We're gonna work on this together. I'm gonna to give you the first pick anyway. But here's the question. I'm fascinated by this. Five American colleges have had both a U.S. president and a Super Bowl winning quarterback as alumni name the five schools. I can think of two. I I'm, I'm beyond
1: that, I'm just throwing darts. Uh Michigan is one with Gerald Ford yes. and Tom Brady. What do you got? I got Delaware, Joe Biden and Joe Flacco. Wow, All right. nice. After nice. after, how about, after how that about Stan- it's- how, how about Stanford? Stanford. Yeah. There we go. Um well, and got three. uh Texas. There's a small college, right?
0: Small college in a flyover state, says Matt Casey. Somewhere, somewhere in Ohio. What would it be in Ohio? Man, I'm an idiot. Know. Tell us. Let's give me let's a clue. Go. Let's see what they are.
1: I don't know. I don't. Ah, oh, Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. The Miami oh, Redhawks. Roger Staubach. Benjamin. Navy. The pre- oh, I- Navy.
0: Okay, so who's the president from Miami of Ohio? Benjamin Harrison Of course, Miami Mike. of Ohio. How could you not know That's- that? Yeah. Come on. I- yeah, I-, I will hang my head in shame. All right, uh, you get the
1: first pick. Quarterback movement we'd like to see. Deshaun Watson to the Jets. Hate to be a cliche, but I want to see Deshaun Watson in that sort of Shanahan uh you know Mike LaFleur uh class of coach where you really take a lot of pressure off the quarterback and you give him solutions every time he drops back to pass. Plus, I think Joe Douglas is a really good personnel guy. He's gonna find players and Robert Sala is going to know how to coach them. I like the Jets and I'm, and plus, Deshaun Watson wants to go there. It's a good trade partner for Houston. You trade them Sam Darnold, the number two pick in the draft, and next year's one, and hope that that gets the job done. And remember, Watson wanted
0: the Texans to interview Sala. the Texans, the only team of seven with vacancies this year that did not interview Robert Sala. I want to see Matthew Stafford go to the Indianapolis Colts. I think it makes too much sense to not happen. Dome Stadium for Stafford in Detroit. Dome in Indianapolis. They need that quarterback who can be plug-and-play. Probably better option than Phillip Rivers at this point in their respective careers. Still fairly young. Still can get it done. And needs to have good leadership and good coaching around him. I don't think he's ever had consistent good coaching and I don't think he's ever had true leaders in the locker room and it's something that I feel like he doesn't want to do so I think Indianapolis would make a lot of sense and they would be a
1: factor again in the AFC if they have him Peter I'd like to see Jared Goff go to the New England Patriots Um, I'd like to see Goff in maybe a less frenetic kind of offense and I'd like to see him coached by Josh McDaniels and I'd like to see the Patriots go out and draft slash sign in free agency some skill players to give golf a chance.
0: Well, unless they're going to build a dome in new England, I don't see Jared Goff playing for the Patriots. Cause he doesn't like to play in the cold if you haven't noticed, but uh, maybe he would get used to it after some practices out there in the Northeast. Next one for me, I want to see Kirk cousins go to the 49ers for a couple of reasons. I want the Vikings to move on from Kirk cousins. I'm sorry. I just do. I just do. He loves him. not. He loves him. He loves him. Not. I think it's time for a change in Minnesota in a lot of ways, frankly, but, uh, Kyle Shanahan, one of the reasons he didn't go after Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson in the 2017 draft is he had his sights set on getting Kirk Cousins as a free agent a year later. And the Jimmy Garoppolo trade happened in between. But I feel like it's it's destined for those two to get together. And I know 49ers fans freak out when I try to make that argument. I was on radio in San Francisco a week or two ago. But Cousins at least is going to be available to play. He's not going to be hurt. 75% of the time cousins never misses time. So put him in that offense and uh, let him develop consistency and you pair him up with that defense. I think it could be a good pairing. I don't know what the Vikings would do for
1: quarterback, but I got some ideas maybe later in the draft. Well, if you had just said that before my last pick, I would have then given Garoppolo to the Patriots because I'd love to see that happen. But I just think at the end of the day, I think the 49ers, are going to sniff around the edges of all these derbies, uh, and for some reason, I think they're going to be back with Garoppolo. Not that they, not that that's a unanimous slam dunk, but that's kind of what I think. I'll give you one that I think Pro Football Focus had it had it right on the nose: Jameis Winston to the Carolina Panthers. You know, they got a C year out of Teddy Bridgewater, not really what they were hoping for, and I think Joe Brady. The offensive coordinator at Carolina wants a quarterback who can throw the ball downfield to his speed receivers. And keep in mind, Mike, deepest, uh, deepest average target in the NFL over the last five years, Jameis Winston. Now, he's thrown a lot of picks. Don't We all know that. But I think they want to have a Daryl LaMonica deep strike offense in Carolina. I'd love to see Jameis Winston do that. And this is a follow to that and a companion to my prior pick.
0: I want to see Teddy Bridgewater go back to Minnesota. I don't know why the Panthers are so down on him all all of a sudden. You get this vibe that they're looking and they're looking and they're looking and Bridgewater's not good enough. Why'd you give him a three-year, $66 million contract if you think he's not good enough I think Bridgewater has shown incredible growth. He's come so far from that torn ACL that supposedly was going to end his career. It would just be one hell of a story. I always root for a great story, and it would be one hell of a story to see Bridgewater back in Minnesota and finally fulfill that potential that he was on the brink of realizing before that horrible knee injury. We got one more
1: round, or that's it? We got one more round if you want one. Okay, if we're going to do one more round, I'm going to do a preposterous one. Okay? I want Aaron Rodgers to go to the Patriots. He's the second quarterback (laughs) I'm giving to the Patriots. And, And he's not going there. You know, it's like Mark Murphy says, we're not idiots. We're not trading Aaron Rodgers. And they shouldn't trade Aaron Rodgers. I would just love to see. I'd love to see Bill Belichick coach Aaron Rodgers. I'd love to see Josh McDaniels coach Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Rodgers would love to go somewhere that has suddenly become a little bit of an underdog. You know, because the Patriots now, nobody expects them to do anything. If Aaron Rodgers could take that team, you know, and play like a championship game in Kansas City against Patrick Mahomes at some point in the next two, three years, now that would be like the cap on Bill Belichick's coaching career. All right, I'll see your preposterous and
0: I'll go slightly more preposterous. I want to see Derek Carr just because I love chaos And when chaos arrives, I want to maximize it. I want Derek Carr to the Houston Texans. Following in his brother's footsteps almost 20 years later, they didn't draft him because it didn't go well with Derek Carr. But, you know, what the hell? It's all turned upside down in Houston. They may need a quarterback And maybe if John Gruden can get himself a Matthew Stafford or a Cam Newton or someone else, he'd move on from Derek Carr. So uh, that was some fun. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. All right. Our friends at PointsBet have put together the Super Bowl MVP odds. And ooh, Patrick Mahomes minus 100, Tom Brady plus 200. It's typically a quarterback thing but not always there have been six defensive players over the years who have won it more I think like I think it's no I think it's nine defensive players and six running backs I I I was doing the research the other day it always helps to remember the results of the research why bother doing the research but Peter I'll ask you this Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady to be the MVP or the field
1: oh definitely I'd take one of the quarterbacks I'd probably take Mahomes but uh, I, I definitely take one of the quarterbacks. I don't like the field, especially when you were in an all-time quarterback matchup.
0: Now, uh, as I mentioned, there have been plenty of defensive players and receivers and running backs and others who have won Super Bowl MVP. It's not a gimme like it's become in the NFL regular season MVP award. Peter, we did put together a prop bet that the folks at points bet have attached some action to. This is the Chris Sims Memorial Cannon hole bet because he claims when he scored a touchdown in the playoffs in 2005 against Washington, he threw the ball in the direction of the pirate ship and it actually went into the cannon hole. I don't believe it, but if anyone does that in Super Bowl 55, Plus 5,000 of the odds, that means you bet 100, you win 5,000. And Sims claims and Matt Casey claims Paul McGuire said on the broadcast it went to the hole. I don't believe it. Just because he said it, I don't believe it. How would Paul McGuire see it go into the hole? I don't buy it. It's fake news. But if someone does it in the Super Bowl and you bet on it, it's real money.
1: Could I get double the odds if 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 I said Travis Kelsey? Because, you know, Travis Kelsey's got a really good arm, and imagine if somebody just mentioned that to him. Hey, there's this blah, blah, blah. And Travis Kelsey said, hmm, when that happens, I'm going to try to throw it in the cannon hole. And all my buddies back home in Cleveland Heights, they're all going to win $5,000. <laughs>
0: or you could get triple the action if Patrick Mahomes does it from the other end zone to the Pirate Show. <laughs> I love can. that. That's, That's it good week. We'll see you next week.